0: Week one of Steelers training camp is in the books, and there is plenty to take away. I'm back in studio. I'm home. I'm ready for the day off. And I have to say, going back through my notebook and seeing all the notes that I've taken in the last four or five days, there's plenty to talk about heading into week two at St. Vincent College. What's going on, everybody? I'm Noah Strackbine. Thank you for jumping on to Steelers To Go, your daily to-go cup of Pittsburgh Steelers news and analysis. Find us on youtube.com slash all Steelers Talkers. subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. I am not live from La Trobe today. I am back home in studio getting ready for a day off as we approach week two of Steelers training camp. It was hot. It was rainy. It was worth it. The notebook is fantastic. Full already I've gone through one full notepad in four days of practice which as exciting as that sounds it was both good and bad and I think last year it was a different good and bad and that was my biggest takeaway is a year ago we were talking about how Mitch Trubisky was throwing interceptions Mason Rudolph looked like the best quarterback Kenny Pickett really wasn't getting a fair shot Jalen Warren was bursting onto the scene but it was very very little at the time George Pickens We were hoping to see so much from him. Didn't really get a ton in those first couple of days. And Calvin Austin, we were still waiting for. It was one giant game of what is going to happen. This year, we saw so much in those first four days. There were some winners and there were some losers, and we dive into that in the podcast a little bit more in an hour or so. But for right now, I want to talk about the guys that I expect to have better weeks in week two. There were a couple of them, a couple of guys that I'm going to label losers, but guys that I believe could come back and have an even better week in week two. I think the biggest one is Dan Moore Jr. The guy struggled, struggled bad. Alex Eismith made this guy look terrible and then he moved over to the right side on the last day of practice as Chuksa for had the day off and everything just got worse. And I think that was alarming to a degree, but at the same time, offensive lineman, you don't have pads on. You have no business being out on the field. If you are an offensive lineman in that first week of ramp up training camp where there are no pads and you can only be 50% physical, You have nothing to grab onto. This is all footwork, and you're trying to be quicker and more athletic than guys that are naturally quicker and more athletic than you. You're going to lose 10 times out of 10. Dan Moore Jr. lost 10 times out of 10. At the end of the week, you were looking at it like, okay, Roderick Jones is playing left tackle on this day. Dan Moore is moving to the right side. Speculation flew off the walls. Everybody was talking, oh, this is the beginning of the end. I don't believe so. I look at Dan Moore and I look at Broderick Jones as still in a competition that it's Dan Moore's to lose. I don't think the Steelers look at this right now as Broderick Jones is ready to be a starter, much like they looked at Kenny Pickett a year ago as not ready to be a starter. They'd rather gradually work him in. And I think that once week two starts and those pads come on and guys could grip guys up, and Alex Highsmith is still probably going to win most of those reps, but I just think he's an easier target. If you have pads on, if you have shoulder pads on, if you could use your strength, if you don't have to use footwork and hand placement, if this is I'm going to out muscle you, chances are an offensive lineman has a much better chance, a much better opportunity to win those battles. I don't take anything away from offensive linemen in week one, and I won't label Dan Moore as a lost cause or a loser or somebody who says, "Eh, well, you know, this guy had a terrible first week. I'll look at it like this. Dan Moore should have a better second week. If he doesn't, then the conversation starts of maybe Broderick Jones gets put, put in there. Maybe it's time to start moving on. But until then, until this second week happens, I'm not looking at it as anything more than that. I will say I expect Broderick Jones to look good in pads as well. But I expect Dan Moore to come out here and say, hey, this is when it really starts. This is when it really counts. I'm going to put on a show." I have big expectations for Dan Moore in week two, because week one was rough for the entire offensive line. Number two was Joey Porter Jr. And that's a guy that I think is going to disappoint a lot of people when you hear his name. But I thought Joey came out guns a blazing on day one. He had a very successful day one. And then afterwards, it was just struggle, 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 play after play. There were some people who said and some people who Analyzed this team who said Joey Porter shined in other days? I didn't think so. I thought day after day after that first day, I saw Joey Porter Jr. get beaten coverage, kind of look like a rookie, at times just didn't look ready. His hips were very slow. He just wasn't able to utilize everything that makes him good, which is his strength and his toughness. That's where Joey Porter Jr. shines. In week two, you want to know what he's allowed to do? He's allowed to press man, he's allowed to get up on that line of scrimmage hit you, really, really hit you, and say, hey, look, let's go. You want to get past me? You want to make a move? Go ahead. But you're going to have to take this blow first. You don't really get that in day one. Yeah, you're punching at the ball. Yeah, you are pushing, no doubt about it. But guys are going 75% max. You put those pads on, guys are hitting. This is real football. And I think that's when Joey Porter Jr. is really going to put those players, those wide receivers in their place a little bit more. I don't know what my expectations are for Joey Porter Jr. at this time. I don't necessarily look him, look at him as this all-almighty, definitely a starter, definitely a star type of player. I look at him as a guy that the Steelers believe can make an impact in week one, a guy that the Steelers view as a starter, a longtime superstar, the next generation of cornerback in Pittsburgh. They view him as all of these things. He's got to earn it all. He's got to earn that place. He's got to earn that reputation. He's got to earn that reliability. That should come in week two a little bit more. When he's able to be Joey Porter Jr. and utilize what he does best, I think things change. And I think he gives guys a much tougher chance or a much tougher time, excuse me. But in week one, Deontay Johnson got the best of them. Pat Fryermuth got the best of them. Allen Robinson got the best of them. George Pickens got the best of them. Guys just showed that... They're a little bit more experienced, and they could do this a little bit better than Joey Porter Jr., and he wasn't the only corner to get beat, and he won't be the only corner to get beat during training camp, but in week one, you saw that he really needs those pads on, but once those pads come on, I do, I do expect much bigger things. Then there's Darnell Washington, who might have been the biggest letdown, but I don't know what my expectations were in week one, with a guy who is physical, big, is Known as almost a left tackle. It's hard to go out there with no pads on and say, hey, dude, go run routes and catch passes. Nobody knows that he could do that yet. Nobody believes that he is a star in that area. He dropped a couple of balls, which that bummed me out. At least at bare minimum, I could deal with, okay, you're not the best route runner. Your hips are tight. You're very slow off the ball. All those things are fine. You could work with all of those things when you're 6'7", 200 and whatever pounds, a ginormous man, and somebody who could easily, easily muscle their way into situations in open fields. It's another thing if you can't catch the football, and that is disappointing. I will say this. Darnell Washington is a ginormous freak of a human being. He is much scarier in person, even though he's a nice dude and a LeBron James fan, and I'm a LeBron James fan. so. That's a win in my book. But you look at Darnell Washington and you know what his strengths are. You know that this guy is a blocker. You know that this guy is a muscle head. You know that this guy is just going to push you around and bully you. But you need pads on to do all those things. And come Tuesday, once those pads come on, Darnell Washington's playing a whole different game of football. The thing is, he's got to still be able to catch the ball. If you don't catch the ball, you don't do anything. You're just another blocking tight end. And there are lots of blocking tight ends. Maybe he's the best one. And I mean, that definitely deserves a place in the NFL and on the Pittsburgh Steelers and deserves a significant role in the NFL and on the Pittsburgh Steelers. But if you're going to be more than that, if you're going to be what George Pickens says you could be, which is maximum effort, Darnell Washington is the best tight end in the NFL. You have to be able to catch the football. He couldn't do that in, in week one. In week two, I expect him to get a little bit of mojo, a little bit of confidence. I expect him to put some guys on their butts, and that's going to build everything. You start winning battles, good things happen, and the ball rolls. I expect that for Darnell Washington. Last but not least is Mark Robinson, a guy that guys had huge expectations for. People had very big hopes for what Mark Robinson could be in year two, but so far All that the Steelers have done is not utilize him on the first team and then sign somebody else that's probably going to sit higher on the depth chart than he is. The addition of Quan Alexander, in my opinion, isn't a shot at Mark Robinson, but it's definitely a sign that they don't have total faith that this guy is ready yet. Is he? I don't know. But I think we'll see more of that in week two, just because of who Mark Robinson is. He's the biggest dude on the field, and I don't mean tall, I don't mean ginormous, I don't mean fat. I mean, there is nobody with more muscle on a football field when Mark Robinson is on a field than Mark Robinson. The guy is terrifying looking. He is nothing but a bruiser. He needs to utilize that. He will utilize that. That's when the pads come on and things get real for Mark Robinson. We can't tell during OTAs and minicamp whether Mark Rob is ready to be a starter. We can't tell during the ramp-up period whether or not Mark Robb is ready to be a starter. What we could tell when those packs come on is, how are those instincts? Is the rawness becoming more experienced? Are you growing? Is there development? Is Mark Robinson taking a step forward as a linebacker, not just somebody who loves to hit and tackle people? Because I think Mark Robinson does have the traits He's got the athleticism and he's got the speed and he's definitely got the power. Mark Robinson loves to hit people, but he's got to put that on the field. He's got to put good tape out there that comes in week two. I expect more from him because it wasn't even a bad week. It wasn't like he got beat or there were all these plays where you're like, oh, Mark Robinson was a loser this week and he had a rough time and no, he was just quiet in a week full of, excitement Mark Robinson was nowhere to be found in a week full of full of sleepers starting to shine like Hakeem Butler and Anthony McFarlane and Connor Hayward and Kenny Robinson and Elijah Riley. Mark Robinson was nowhere to be found in week two. That's when things become real for this guy. You got to remember a year ago when the pads came on and backs on backers started happening and that sideline drill where the running back or whoever was on offense had to juke out a linebacker or a safety, Mark Robinson and Master Teague put on a show. I so 100% expect that to happen again. I just need pads to come on. And when the Steelers put those pads on on Tuesday, things get real. And I expect all four of these guys to have much better weeks and to showcase just how physical of a football player they are, which goes so far in the NFL. The Steelers got some bruisers. They got some hitters. They built a big, dominant football team. Ground and pound. Beat you in the trenches. Hit you in the mouth. That's what the Pittsburgh Steelers built the team to do, and you got to put pads on to do so. And once they do, I expect these guys to have much better weeks at training camp.